All right, guys, today I get to interview Michelle Terpstra, and this is a gal who is the author of the High Performance Sales Habit Workbook. We're going to be talking today about building sales teams, what it might take, all these different types of aspects, what goes into this. Uh, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm so excited to talk to another sales growth person. Uh, being one myself, I absolutely love these conversations. So take us into it. Like One, I don't think just finds themselves there. Like You probably had to build to this, right? What did it look like to get to where you're at today? Well, thanks, Matt, for having me on today. And yes, there's definitely some context to how I got myself here, right? So I spent over a decade working for Fortune 500 companies in sales, and then I took a consulting role. And then a few years back, I decided I wanted to go into business for myself and own a training and consulting company. So that's what I went ahead and did. And here I am a few years later, a thousand customers in, and I absolutely love what I get to do, specifically because my brain really operates like a sales funnel. And I realized over the years that not everybody else's brain operates that way. So I have a keen ability to find um, hidden gems or hidden revenue opportunities in people's businesses. And then I help them connect the dots in a systematic way that empowers them then, then to hire an internal sales team. And the reason why I believe in internal sales teams and not outsourcing to closing agencies, because that's usually the first, <laughs> the first thing that pops into somebody's mind, is that you can increase the value value of a future sale of your company if you have it internal. And so since I work with those types of companies that have that as the <laughs> that in their focus point or at least exiting the day-to-day -day activities, you have to have an internal sales team. Yeah, absolutely. So your brain thinks like a sales funnel. I mean, that might be for those that really understand sales funnel, that might be a natural thought, but let's break that down. Yes. What does your brain thinks like a sales funnel look like? So from the moment that somebody comes into my world, and if I could screen share on this podcast, my active campaign would get you so excited. Mm -hmm. I think of exactly what happens at every stage of the sales process. So from the time that they first find out about you to when they become problem aware, solution aware, what are the objections? What are the hesitations? And when I say I think like a sales funnel, it's because I have a keen ability to connect marketing and sales. So what that means is there's so much work done before that person and even gets on the call for the opportunity that they're primed and ready to say yes. So my clients have a much higher conversion rate on their sales calls because I don't believe that they're isolated entities and you have to work both sides. So, okay. So this can lead in all kinds of conversations. So I love <laughs> the problem aware and solution aware. So generally where for you in, in most of these businesses does the salesman enter, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really great question. So it depends what type of salesperson um, you have on your team. So if you have an appointment setter or an SDR, that's way earlier in the sales process than if you just have a closer. So and a closer is a really common term that we use in the online business world. And it means that somebody has a call booked on their calendar and they're going to pick up the phone or hop on Zoom and close them. And then if you're an SDR or an appointment setter, you are reaching out to people trying to find those that have the problem that you want to solve. Right. So it really depends on what your structure is. Or if you have a business development manager that's required for full cycle, um, you know, they jump in the second um, it becomes company aware. So for me, I teach social selling primarily for lead gen and prospecting. And it's a really, really powerful tool that we have at our fingertips that doesn't cost a lot of money. And you can find highly qualified people um, for for uh, to enter into your sales process. Love it. So kind of walk me through the process. If I'm a small or medium sized business, how do I know if I should go to an SDR or a setter closer, like just closer? Like how, how do you think about structure? 
Okay, so that's a really great question. I appreciate you asking that. So there's a lot of a fa- there's a lot of factors that go into that to determine what your sales structure should be. However, I'm going to speak generally so that we can have a conversation here. Sure. So um, if you have tons of booked calls on your calendars, hot qualified leads coming inbound constantly, and you're literally just trying to come up from water to come up from come up from a breath from drowning to finish all these sales calls, then what you need is somebody on the closing side right? You need someone to take that off of your calendar and give you some reprieve if you're the business owner still doing all of the calls. So that would be my recommendation at that point. But if you come to me and say, well, I have inconsistent leads. They're not really qualified. You know, I think my really, my big problem is my pipeline that I would say, whoop, hold tight. Let's get you a sales assistant or an appointment setter or an SDR because we have to fix that problem first or you're going to piss off a closer who thinks they're going to come in and make money and there's no opportunities. So that's how I decide if you're going to use the assembly line structure in your business, which is a really common small business structure, then that would be my recommendation there. Then there's other businesses like me And my team are business development managers, which means they're in charge of full cycle. And the reason why I do that is because it's how I've built a tribe up to this point and a following for my business. So I prefer a right-hand extension, someone who is um, really aware of my client personas and problems and solutions and wants to take it full cycle. So they go to networking events. They're part of paid networking groups, virtual and online. They're an extension of my business, not just my sales team. Got it. So for you, that the setter and the closer are one and the same. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. So obviously, basically to recap what you're saying, if they have a leads problem, they need a setter. If they mm-hmm. have too many leads and not enough closings, they need a closer. Correct. Okay. Wonderful. So let's dive into like, how do you know as far as like this high ticket, low ticket, like how do these things play into the sales process? Okay. So it's another fantastic question. And so there's a lot of options in the world of selling something. And um, you absolutely have to have a cushion within your profit margin to pay someone on your sales team. So primarily someone who's going to invest in building an internal sales team sells something for $5,000 or greater. I would prefer it to be more like $15,000 or greater. The reason why is your sales team is going to need to get paid, right? And depending on what your structure is, you have to account for that as a percentage of every single sale. And so typically the people who have the most success hiring an internal sales team and scaling with them are selling something 10, 15, 20 thousand dollars or more. Yeah. And so when you say internal, most people are going to probably naturally assume base salaries, really expensive. How do you generally like to structure internal sales teams compensation? Okay. So it's another fantastic question. And that that really that we have to analyze your business to determine what the best fit is. So I have about a 50-50 split of my clients. Some pay um, a base plus commission, and then others that um, do commission only. If you do commission only, it is critical that you are set up for speed on onboarding because they're going to want to make money really quickly. And if they don't, they're going to get mad and they're going to want to leave. And my recommendation for you, if you're doing commission only, well, regardless of how you pay them, you must have a sales training university. And And so when they come into your organization, they spend less than two weeks learning and they're taking calls and they're making money very, very quickly. Um, Commission only um, can be attractive to a lot of really great salespeople. And so it doesn't mean you're not going to get a good person. You just have to pay them more money than you would with a commission um, with a base plus commission. If you were to analyze all your clients that are on base plus commission and all your Mm -hmm. clients that are on commission only, like, and you had to decide 
which one, which company would likely do better, what would you pick? Oh gosh, that's a tough question because typically people who do commission only aren't at the same revenue levels as people that offer the base plus commission. So I think ideally your goal should be to do a base plus commission, but I don't want to discourage people from starting with commission only because it can make a huge impact in your business. But eventually I would love for that person to be full-time working for you in an employment structure. Yeah. Yeah. And and obviously that's probably true, right? That if you actually give them a base, the retention is probably a lot longer. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm coming from sales myself. I've had both types of jobs and I would prefer a base plus commission. But the thing is, is that also comes with responsibilities. So there's two different types of um, salespeople out there in the world for you to hire. Someone who loves their autonomy and just likes to rock and roll and do things on their own. That's your commission only person who can still perform greatly. Then there's someone else who really likes the structure, the accountability, working for one person. And so there's a lot of moving pieces that go into this. But at the end of the day, I strongly believe you can be successful with either. But it just depends on what your financial goals are, your scaling goals are, and your business structure. So I want to tap into your connection between marketing and sales. And Mm -hmm. so talk to us about where you see a lot of holes in a lot of processes. Is it in the sense that there's not enough nurturing going on, not the right nurturing? Like, What are some things that you see are pretty common? Okay, so that's a great question. So first of all, I want to throw some context into this of why I'm so passionate about this. So coming from big Fortune 500 companies, at least the ones that I worked for, marketing and sales, like they never talked to each other is what it felt like from a, from the salesperson's perspective, right? And so we got what I perceived as very little help from the organization's marketing group. When I opened my business, I was like, you know what would make it so much easier is if we all communicated nicely, right? And don't get me wrong, there are some companies that do this really, really well. But I came into this saying, I'm going to change this for businesses so they can have more uh, more sales and more ease. So for example, you know, up to 80% of your deals are going to happen in follow-up. Okay. It is really, really difficult, really difficult for a salesperson to keep track of massive volume of deals coming in. So if you can set up your CRM including marketing emails, automated tasks. Uh, And if you can assist them, if you can create a CRM that assists your sales team, it's going to be so much easier. So that's one way. The other way is through um, your marketing and your branding. So for me, I have tons of content. I mean, if someone's going to have a sales call with my team, they're going to get so much information about us before they get on the call that they're going to feel at home when they're on that call. And I think that that is truly the goal. And we do things like certain warm-up sequences before a discovery call. So no one just books a call and then shows up and can't remember why they're there. They've received three to five specific touch points based on exactly what their interest levels are, what their pain points are. And this takes a while to set up, but it's super powerful. And then everything has context during this discovery call, which helps that sales professional convert at a higher rate. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, Many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. 
The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. So there's kind of a debate among salespeople and things like discovery calls. How structured are those calls? You know, even down to like the frame or the pre-frame uh, in the sales call. Talk to me about that. Like how, how detailed do you like to get in structuring the, the scripting of, say, the discovery call? Okay, great question too. I've seen it done well both ways. It depends on how the lead got to the call. Okay. So if you're coming off ice cold traffic, like a webinar, no one's ever talked to you before. They don't have any context. Holding to a strict script is going to be a lot more important for that type of transaction. That's usually what's taught. However, if you have um, if you have your business set up where they're coming a little bit warmer, they understand who you are. I actually think it has the opposite um, impact. So it actually turns someone off if you're strict to a script. And so for my business, and I would say it's a split in my clients, 50-50, I use a framework. And what I mean by a framework is like, these are the steps. These are, this is the bullet points, um, bullet point type questions that you can ask, but I offer a lot of flexibility, but that's taken time for me to get there with them, right? Um, We also record all of our calls for quality assurance, and um, I have a software that does AI coaching in the background so that 10 minutes post-call, you can see what you did well and where you need improvement, and um, that really helps sales reps perform at a better level. Oh, I'd love to talk about the AI element. So like we've used things like fireflies.ai for transcription and so on and so forth. But Mm -hmm. is there software out there that you said does online coaching? Talk to me about this. Yeah, it's so amazing. So there is a very small startup that I have partnered with that records the call and then their AI um, goes in and looks for keywords you've asked for them to look for. It'll also look for um, emotional intelligence levels, uh, rapport, nonverbal communication. There's all these indicators. It's amazing. And they go in and they give you a scorecard based on all the categories of where you perform as a sales rep. And it's done in about 10 minutes post-call. The reason why this is critical is if anybody listening is a sales leader that has had to review sales calls, it is painful. All right. And I'm saying it because I have listened to hundreds. Okay. And um, that's why I wanted to partner with this company because it saves the sales leader so much, but not just the sales leader, but it's also like, think about it. If you're on a sales call and you think you do an okay job, but you're not quite sure and you quickly move on to your next one. And then you don't have your one-to-one with your sales manager for a week. You're going to be like, I don't even remember this call. Right. So if the email can go out 10 minutes post call, you're like, Oh, right. Now I know. So you can immediately improve your skills for the next call and you don't have to wait. And so it's really powerful. And um, it's something that we all should be using if we manage a team that um, that does sales calls. Yeah, absolutely. And, And as a person, I probably made half a million sales calls in my life, done so many call reviews. It is brutal. Uh, it's brutal to review your own. I don't know if you face this as well. Like when you're listening, you're like, gosh, I sound so terrible, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
Yeah. Um, and, and I haven't met too many salespeople that, that love doing that. I mean, I, some, some of them will do it for becoming good at their craft. So that's, that's absolutely incredible. And that's yeah. probably just the beginning for the software, right? Cause it's AI. So at some point it's, it's going to, um, well, I'm like so excited to dive into that, that AI. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's really, it's just the beginning, but you know, it's all about speed right now, speed and mastering your craft. And I think that when you're in sales, that is the greatest personal development journey you will ever be on in your life. Um, you are extremely vulnerable. You're getting rejected so much. Like you're constantly trying to tweak the smallest things and you've got to dig that to stay excited, right? So if you can get that instant feedback and make course correction same day, super powerful. So what does your sales team look like today? Yeah, so I have two business development managers yeah. and they're amazing. They do full cycle sales for me. And um, and so what's, you know how they always say the plumber has the leaky faucet, mm -hmm. right? So I have spent so many years building other people's sales teams that I finally got the chance to do mine. And so it's really exciting to have them out there and doing their thing now. Yeah, absolutely. So when people come to you, like what, what phase of the process are you typically solving for them? Are, are you usually solving the... Like they have a sales team, but it's broken. They don't have a sales team yet. Yeah, that's a great question. So I one thing, I have a software that's called Salesy Social, and it helps you fill your pipeline with hot leads yeah. um, using social media. So somebody would come to me if their pipeline is not high quality and it's not moving, it's not growing, and we can solve that really, really quickly with the software and teaching um, either the business owner or a VA or a sales assistant how to use it. So that would be one area that they come to me. The other area is, okay... I need some help. You know, I've hit, you know, close to a million bucks in revenue and I can't keep growing this myself. I need a sales team, right? That's the other person. The other one is I have a sales team. I'm fumbling. It's okay, but I know it should be better, but I don't know what I did wrong or where I could improve. So those are the three categories of people that I help. Wonderful. And what do you see like as to the long-term vision for for what you're doing, like five, 10 years from now? Oh, five to 10 years from now? Ooh, that's a really good question. So I'm I am building my business so that it's positioned well to sell, mm -hmm. but I don't know if I'll do that in the five to 10 years. Um, but definitely in the five to 10 years, I am just the spokesman for my company and I have a team running everything behind the scenes. Um, that is what my goal would be five to 10. But from an impact standpoint, from an impact standpoint is I would love to help another thousand. Like I just keep going in thousand chunks, right? And uh, and when I say a thousand, it's I have courses, I have software, you know, I have consulting, I coach in other people's programs. So that impact level is really there for me. But I started this business because I wanted more small businesses to succeed, more startups to succeed. And since half of them fail in the first five years, and I know it's because their business or their client acquisition model is not optimized, I I feel like there's a great opportunity for me to step in and help more small businesses not just sur survive but thrive and I think that'll change the economy for the better and so that's how I hope people remember me. Cool. And going back to Salesy Social, is it direct message like is it direct message prospecting? Is it video content? Like how are the leads generated? Yeah, so it's direct messaging, absolutely, but it is not a bot. There are templates and frameworks and it's organized really easily, but we are not using bots. Um, it is a human, and but it saves you about 75% um, of your time in prospecting per week. Wonderful. So 
what do you see as the analytics behind that? Because we booked the podcast through similar methods, right? So yeah. when you're sending out direct outbound, like, I mean, obviously it's going to depend on market fit, niche message, all these types of things, but, but assuming all those are, are good, what are you seeing as the results of like messages out to calls booked in? Yeah, so that's a great question. And I can't give you an overall statistic because everybody's business is so different. Um, however, I will say that your your team outreach was really good. Thank so you. I'll give you that. So I think I got three or four messages from three or four different people in a 24-hour period of time. So it's really effective and it's working. I would be curious to know how much time it, it takes them to do that, if it could be accelerated. Um, that would be my first question. But your approach is working and I received it well and I'm sure other people did as well. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's interesting. I mean, AI, you, you're using AI for the coaching calls. We have a mm-hmm. lot of AI influence in our out, outbound. And yes. it's been really wild to see how those can interplay. I mean, we definitely, there's there's a human element to what we do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, we're um, AI enhanced, we'll say. Um, yes. Salesy Social is AI enhanced as well. So if you're thinking of writing something, you can hit a little button and see what AI would do to it. <laughs> yes. Okay. Wonderful. Um, which is so cool, right? I mean, to, to know that like you, you can utilize anybody in the world to send out these messages and you know, they could be correct in their grammar. They could be correct in a lot of different things. Um, not that correct grammar is absolutely essential. Sometimes it seems like some of the messages do better with typos, but, um, really, really (laughs) I think casual works well. And I think why I love social media prospecting versus maybe like, I think cold emails work. I think cold calling works. I think everything works, right? But it depends what feels in alignment for you, your brand and your business. For me, I'm a casual communicator. I don't have anything to prove. I'm one of the best in the industry. People resonate with a casual tone. So I'm not looking to be fancy or anything like that. So when I send out my messages, it's casual, it's empathetic, it's confident, and it's really successful. Even for people who are really natural, sales is a journey to learn. And so- how what was how did you cut your teeth in sales like what 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 were you selling how did you sell it what was it like yes so i will never forget the first time that i cold call so i won't date myself but i'm old enough back to the date of where i would wear my stilettos and carry all of my like bagels donuts freebies up flights of stairs at business complexes like i earned my stripes and i'll never forget like maybe the first week of this job when i was selling the software and i went into a tax um office and i got to the gatekeeper at the front desk and you know i came bearing goods and she asked me, you know, who I was. And I told her, she's like, we we use and named the competitor and you're never getting past me. And she chased me out and like slammed the door on me. And I was like, wow, there's some loyalty in this territory. Right. <laughs> and so I had to take a step back and be like, wow, how am I going to get past that gate- gatekeeper? I eventually figured it out. But the moral of the story is that you haven't been in sales if you haven't had a door shut on your face, if you haven't been, you know, asked to leave, if you haven't felt rejection. And rejection is just information. It's, And I think that if you can separate the two and you don't take it personally, you can be very successful and exceed very quickly. So I suggest anyone listening who's experienced rejection, I want you to sit back from an objective view, either by yourself or with support of some of um, your manager or the business owner and understand like, why is this happening and how can we fix it? And then jump in and do that. Yeah. How long did it take you to kind of feel like you caught your 
you know, like you were in your zone in sales? Yeah. So let's see. Um, well, first of all, I went, I have a degree from UC Santa Barbara in communications, but that communications degree is in negotiation, organizational communication, emotional intelligence, um, persuasion, influence. So I like to say I have a BA in sales. Yeah. And so I had a lot of education. And now, mind you, when you're educated, it doesn't mean you're doing it perfectly in the beginning, right? But it is a foundation. And I wanted everyone to understand that before I tell you. But I would say it took six months into my first sales job before I was like, oh, yeah, I got this and I'm beating everybody else. And that's also when I was offered my first um, new hire mentor position in an organization. So I clearly know what I, knew what I was doing. But um, I would say give yourself um, a year of really strong dedication to your profession and seek support and help if you really love it. And it's amazing what can happen in that period of time. Amazing. And what is your vision for your life and business next 12 to 18 months? Oh, next to 12 to 18 months. Let's see here. Uh, the next 12 to 18 months, I'm like thinking into that of that exact of the exact exact number. You know, 12 to 18 months, I think that we can start we can build 100 sales teams in that period of time. So, that would be amazing. Love it. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing about your life and your business and the cool tools I'm going to get to look at after this, which is about the AI coaching and all these things. Thank you so much for sharing. Guys, if you're out there listening, there is so much you could have taken away from today's episode, whether it's the tools, the process, all these things. Obviously, there's so much more to learn. Look Michelle up, write down something you learned from the day, share it with somebody who knows so they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. If you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Wow, you are a powerhouse. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) You're a great interviewer. You like think fast and you're quick. I'm a very quick person, so I appreciate that. (laughs) Yes. Well, and you could, not that all salespeople need to be quick, but it really helps to be quick in sales. Um, (laughs) So, my. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 